0: Welcome back to another episode of It's All About Perspective, and I have a guest on here today. I just met this dude like two months ago, walked into a uh, presentation he was giving, given, and I showed him a book, and I said, I'm a co-author with Dr. Brad Johnson, and he said, oh, you're the guy, and I said, yeah, and he goes, yeah, I, uh, I, I've done that too, and uh, came to find out uh, some interesting facts about him, and the guy's been nothing but uh, nice to me since then, so Hal Bowman, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. Doing the thing, and uh, actually, I'm cold, man. This is Houston, and it is get this, dude. It's 40, and um, like that's a natural disaster in Houston. <laughs> like they, we're we're waiting for them to declare a state of emergency.
0: Well, I mean, it's 50 here in Vegas, so you can just fly out here. You know, you can just you can just move here. There's no state income tax here either,
1: right? And a quick question, dude. On the uh, on your fancy screen here, which is like high level, you know, fancy audio <laughs> stuff, you got all kinds of audio waves on yours. I don't have any audio waves on mine.
0: So I only see it on my side because I'm the host. So oh, I, I cool. see you got all kinds of fancy waves over here. Trust me, you're you're yeah. uh, you got plenty of up and downs here.
1: Well, I mean, you're all fancy pants. don't you know, dude. What do you mean? I'll-
0: you don't use you don't use ZenCast or anything like that.
1: I used to use this thing called B Live, which is B E dot Live and I used to do it through you can record and stream live to Facebook. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as ZenCaster, But um yeah, dude, I I've, I've never it's all uh it's all upgraded for you. I like it.
0: Well, you know, I mean I, <laughs> I gotta have some good things in my life. <laughs>
1: hey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what have you been up to? You just go around. I got a little bit about you. So I I guess let's just start there. Yeah. What, dude, like, give us the background on you, man. Like, what, to, like, how'd you get into this?
1: Oh, dude. All right. So I was in, um, you know, doing my thing as, in, as a kid and going to school, and like most kids, you know, I I was miserable, man. I was miserable. I didn't like anything about it. And, um, I struggled all through, um, uh, things kind of fell apart for me in junior high. And then high school was a, was a dumpster fire and ended up, uh, gra- I got, I pulled it together though. I graduated as a valedictorian of the fourth quarter. I was number one in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And, um, and, and then that's the there, right
0: quarter to be number one,
1: Hey, <laughs> there was some sort of, uh, clerical mix up and somehow I made it to, into a college. And after a number of attempts and years, I was finally paroled, uh, graduated and, Dude, I showed up uh, teaching. I started as a band director, and I did that world. And in Texas, dude, that's a really competitive thing because of football. And um, and it was it was more competition than it was teaching. I wanted to get into teaching, so I uh, started taking some tests. And you know, in Texas, if you got one certificate, and you can pass a you know test. Anything else, you can teach that thing too. And I started teaching biology, which is crazy because I had never taken a biology class in my life. And um, and then I moved to language arts and English. And by it was all said and done, dude. I taught K through twelve for a really long time. And then at my very, uh, very last few years, I taught um, uh, a mentoring some mentoring programs where we had seniors in high school, and we would go to elementary schools and mentor kids. And then we would, and then I taught a leadership program for teens and um and what that was that was really um kids coming back from alternative school and trying to get back into their home campus and you know they earned their points over there and they came back and it was really me trying to shut down the recidivism rate of going back to alternative school and um uh, and man I had a had an administrator who loved what we were doing and she became a principal at a neighbor school and she asked me to come over and talk to her teachers and tell them what I was doing with my really challenging gangsters that I had and how we were having so much success and I went and told her teachers what I was doing with my kids and needed to wear kids. And then another principal called, another principal called. And the whole thing just kind of blew up over the next couple of years. And then we came up with this Teach like a Rockstar brand. And um, and it, and the thing just kind of took off. And this is probably 12, 13 years ago. And it was wild back then, man. It was just constantly on the road, constantly doing shows. Constantly, I mean, from hotel to hotel. And things have way slowed down since then. But that was kind of like the heyday of that mini conference thing that i was doing and um and so dude i'm still at it man still doing the teacher rock star shows i'm working with schools i go to campuses every once in a while i'm doing the conference thing i'm trying to um, do that a little bit more now and it's still awesome dude i'm just i love it i love working with schools and teachers and just seeing the heroic stuff that is happening in classrooms across the nation like i, I wish people knew what was really going on out there it's awesome
0: yeah there's a lot of great things but you know like- You so one thing I wanted to have you talk about just because there's people in Vegas that might be able to connect to you about this, like with your, uh, with your life coach or blacksmith mentors thing.
1: Oh yeah, dude. So
0: what, well, kind of going back to like what you're saying, why do kids, why do kids in your past experience, why are kids having so much trouble in school? Like what leads them down this path to where they needed Hal Bowman at that time, or they need blacksmith mentors.
1: Yeah. So And when we're talking about kids who are struggling in school, the vast majority, just based on data, who we're talking about are boys. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
1: that's really who we're talking about. And so that that became my focus. And, And primarily because when we look at all, you know, anytime there is a crisis with a population, you know, we start looking at it at, uh, from a, from a systemic perspective, like what can we do? Like in 1972, girls were struggling and boys were way ahead of girls in everything. And so we brought in title nine and that was like the most amazing social initiative ever. And it worked dude. And within years, just a few years, girls were even Steven. And since then they far pers- surpassed boys. And then, you know, if, you know, whether it's uh, kids in poverty, we come up with things, but when it's a boy that's struggling, there's nothing like, You're the problem. Go fix yourself. You know, and so I started noticing that. And then as I make my way across the nation, visiting schools, I mean, that's who's lined up to see the AP. That's who's at the bottom of the class. That's who's dropping out of school. That's who's getting expelled. 75% of kids and special letter boys. There's two girls for every one boy going to college now. And so I came up with this idea is, you know, with like what seems to work. The only thing I've ever seen is a close, personal, one-on-one connection that a boy has with a strong, virtuous, character-driven man. That works. And so I put this Blacksmith Mentors program together to focus on these kids that are struggling because they're not bad kids and they are smart and they have an incredible potential. And dude, I know I'm getting to the answer, trust me. And, what,
0: right, and, right. and,
1: <laughs> and what? And the thing is, I man, this is just a different time. He said, first of all, like school isn't built for a boy. First of all, I mean, just logistically sitting in rows and columns, staring at the back of some kid's head for 48 minutes or in a modified block for 90 minutes. It's just not a natural thing for a kid, even in elementary school, man, no pushing and shoving. That's the only reason I'm alive is to push and shove, man. (laughs) And so, you know, and and then when you take it from that all the way through school to now, like it, it really begs the question, like, what are we doing in here? Like this boy's thinking, I've got all this information right here on my phone. Like Mm -hmm. what, like why, what, what is the point of all this? Like, what do you want to know? I got it. I got stuff you don't even know. And so it really is a struggle for all kids, but for the boy brain, which is, you know, a few years behind the girl brain, man, like it is, it's such a monumental struggle to overcome. And then when you, when you, when you line that up and attach that to their absolute addiction, to YouTube and TikTok and the dopamine that comes out of the phone and them looking at porn and prank videos and gambling websites, dude, it is a hard time to be a boy,
0: yeah, I don't um, I don't think i would I don't think I would have been where I'm at if I'd have grown up in this time.
1: There's no you know, way,
0: no, no way, cause I would have been in more trouble, just like most of the boys that you probably mentor. But a lot of the kids we see in elementary school, like you said, they're boys. And oftentimes you just said something like they're two years behind. And that's true. I always like a a boy that's struggling in, you know, K one or two. I just think, oh, we just got to get them to the end of third. And then they mature out of it a little bit and we narrow it down. But there's still some in fourth or fifth. It just just drives you crazy. And you're right, though. Like you have to have a relationship with them. Otherwise, you have no chance of getting through to them. Plus, I agree with you also shocker i know um school's not made for boys like they have to be able to get up and get moving and get rolling and go outside yeah. and and do things but then what do we do we try to just stifle them and they can't do it they're just a caged cage creature for a day right. yeah. so i think i think you're right that school is not set up to help boys in a lot of ways
1: dude it it, it starts even before school and um i was just telling somebody the story the other day uh, i remember back when i had my son and we go to the park and and um i had a daughter first and they, that that's what that's sets you up for misery when you get the boy because you think parenting's easy when you get the daughter <laughs> and then you realize you weren't you weren't parenting you just had a daughter now you now you better be now you're about to do some parenting with this boy and we go to the park and there's this kid crawling around the sand and my son's crawling around and my son goes over and grabs this kid's ball right it has a big red ball and the the, the other little boy starts screaming to hold on to his ball and crying and my son's trying to take it and the lady is yelling at her boy you need to share you need to learn how to share and i, and I thought about that like no no he doesn't no, my son's trying to steal his stuff, man. Like she, I remember she was like drinking a latte. Like what if I ever grabbed your latte and started (laughs) drinking it and started screaming at you, you need to share, you know, it's just not a natural thing, you know? And so from the get go, we, we, um, you know, we, we start teaching boys, like, like don't have boundaries. Like you can't have your, your own boundaries. And so, and then we get to, to elementary school and staying in line and don't, and keep your hands to yourself. I mean, I just saw on a, on a thing, it's a, that's, a, that's a tier one handsiness they have on a tier one. Yeah, like, <laughs> handsiness? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? And, not and, too handsy,
0: not in the wrong areas. Yeah,
1: this is the kinesthetic boy, man. And, it, and it, just, it just breaks my heart because when we get to the kid, to the junior high, then high school, oftentimes, as we have a young man with a broken spirit. He thinks something's wrong with him. He's been yelled at constantly. And the more he tried to express himself naturally as a natural boy, he, the more he got yelled at. And now he's isolated in his room. He's not playing football. He's not in the band. He's not in theater. He's not in chess club. He's not in student council. He's not doing anything. He's by himself, broken, staring at his phone.
0: But do you, when you look at school in the 1960s, let's just say, yeah, they sat in rows. They sat you know, all day long. It wasn't the problems that we see now is it technology or is it the fact I mean I guess the fact that they're on technology from the moment they're born with your know, screens and everything in right. your opinion what's contributing to even getting to this point
1: Yeah it's a I think technology is a huge problem man like if you look at parents in like in my neighborhood you know when I watch moms pushing the stroller watch you know pushing the kid around and dads too they're on their phone no one's reading to the baby. No one's talking to the kid. Sometimes the baby has an iPad. You know, I think, and you know, it, you know, for, for me, it's such a, you know, they don't have the neurological pathways that we had. I can remember sitting for hours and I had this thing, you're too young. You're not going to know what it was, but it's called an erector set. And it was as beams and girders. You put them together with little nuts and bolts. you, you built this thing's metal, man. And you had little wrenches and it was awesome. Man, that takes the dexterity of your fingers and being able to focus and be able to envision something and build it. You know, Legos and Lincoln Logs, they just don't have it anymore. And it has changed the brain of the kid for sure.
0: Yes. So then one thing you talk about, you know, when we listen to your session in San Antonio, with the way kids are now, I believe you have to show them love. You have to have a relationship. But one of the hard things for teachers these days is engagement. When you yeah. speak, dude, like you give everybody the warning. You're like, hey, it's going to look like I'm going to have a heart attack, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just being me. And it's ultra engaging, especially when you talk about, uh, I think it's your third grade teacher.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but teachers today, I think, just struggle engaging kids. And it's because we're up against TikTok and, and social media.
1: It is, man. It is for sure. And I think we under really, I always tell people, man, if you don't believe me, there's a book called Dopamine Nation, and it really outlines the level of addiction, you know, in the brain. I'm talking adults, you know, you, me, like everybody I'm, and yeah, kids. Hey, for sure. And, um, and, and, and by the way, I am, uh, you know, I, I listen, I love YouTube. I do. That's my thing. I haven't, I haven't scrolled on the YouTubes since January 2nd, just so you know proud of myself anyway so but Why not it, January
0: it is, 1st come on now let's start it let's, let's No, I had a hangover talking. I had to I just oh, okay. was scrolling all day
1: and so man you know for the we're the to be to to create that engaging thing it takes effort and when I speak I mean that that's what I look like teaching you know that is me doing my thing and I'm not saying every the last thing I want people to think is oh my god I have to teach at that level no I mean, like you would just have to be you that's me that's how I do my thing that's how I do my craft and we we all we have all had teachers that they can produce the same results that I can with all my shenanigans with with a with a point and a left eyebrow raise and a snap at the kid because that's who they really are like I couldn't do that dude if I tried that with my kids they would give me the finger and walk out because they know that's not me and what kids are desperate for is a real authentic emotional engaged teacher that loves them relentlessly, doesn't give up on them. They're convinced of it. Do they want to be a part of that family?
0: When you do these trainings at schools though, I mean, if you're like me, you can look out in your crowd and I, I mean, I'll just admit it. I look out and I think, okay, I wonder, I start to wonder, can that person engage a kid? You know, how's that teacher? What's that person like? Right. But when you're, when you're in those schools, Do you find that there's some teachers that just are just shutting you down because you're just so animated? Or they, I mean, you have like you have some that are going to eat it up, of course, but then how do we ever get through to people to make them understand that Ben Stein isn't going to work these days?
1: (laughs) Right, that's in my long show, man. Ben Stein's in the long (laughs) show, by the way. Man, yeah, here's the thing, dude. Like, I want. I, 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 when, when, when you show up in San Antonio, holy shit, dude, it's called the innovative schools conference. You're going to get some wild people there. They, that's what they want. They're down for it. When I show up at the, like in San Antonio and I'm going to Vegas, I'll be in New York. I'm preaching to the choir brother. But when I go to the school, you know, at the conference, those people want it at the school. Those people need it. Those are two different crowds at the school though. It's yeah. I got to be really careful because when I do a half day or full day and it's just roller coaster of emotion and there's it was really three groups one group are guys like me and you women like us and they're leaning forward and they're getting affirmed and that's this is who I am and it feels good and cuz it feels good to step into the hot shower of you know of affirmation and, yeah I'm right man I knew I was on the right <laughs> track there's other people that it's like they're going to the tent revival, and they haven't been to church in a few years. And it's like, oh, I forgot. Oh, okay. Now we're back on track, and they're getting it going. But there's that other group, and they have their arms crossed, and they're leaning back in their chair. And I used to think those people hate, and I'm sure some do, that those people aren't down with it. They hate me. They are full of it. They're thinking, well, he doesn't have my kids. If he had my kids, he would know that you can't do it but what i have come to realize after doing this for like a decade and a half is they're they're contending oftentimes with thoughts of oh my gosh i have hurt children i have yelled at kids i have been mean and for them to jump on my bandwagon and step into our hot shower with us they have to get through that emotion like i i i, I gave up I started yelling at kids and tell them to shut up and sit down instead of building a relationship. Mm-hmm. He's right, and 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 then I get to the part where we talk about how kids will remember this stuff for the rest of their life, good or bad. If it's intense, they're going to remember it forever. Whether you could be you yelling at them, or you hugging them? It's a memorable thing forever, and when they have to now, they have to contend with that. So for some of those those folks, it's a, it's a painful experience.
0: But see, I've also found too. Like you said in San Antonio, you know they know what they signed up for. But I, I, I actually met met two guys from um, from Albuquerque. They thought I was Hamish Brewer, and I was like, "Sorry guys, it's not me. I'm not Hamish." But um, anyway, like these these dudes need the basics, man. Like they they need the basics, so they want to be inno- innovative. But what's innovative to you isn't innovative to them. You know, just the thought of having kids turn and talk is innovative to some people.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: It, it's fascinating. Like the, the amount of different levels, like some schools out here in Vegas, like at my school, we try to do innovative shit all the time because that's what makes us, us, but other schools, it's just cookie cutter yeah. program boredom.
1: Yeah. And you're right. I think that is, and and this is the part that a lot of school leaders hate. And, and those like you love is when we have this convert, you know, well, we, well, I, I told them to be innovative. Well, that's great. But if you have never seen it, what does that even mean? So you, just like our kids, man, dude, I say this every day to everybody: like they have to see it if they're going to be it. You have to show it if you're going to grow it in those kids. Those teachers have to see what innovation looks like. they have whatever you want, you have to model that. If they're not greeting kids at the door, you have to be greeting your teachers at the door as they're coming in from the parking lot. Like, if that's your expectation, you have to model that. If you want teachers in the hallway high-fiving kids and being excited and playing music, that has to be, you have to model what that looks like. Whatever you expect to see in the classroom, that damn well better be your after-school meeting, teacher meeting on Wednesday in the library. Like there'd be, there be some turn and talk if you want to like every week, you should be modeling something that you want to see in the classroom that week because they don't know. Because especially if a our, our lot of teachers are coming to th- this business after uh, five other careers and now they're going to try this, you know, they just finished their enterprise rent-a-car and no, no, I'm going to teach school. <laughs> <laughs> they're teaching language arts, sixth grade. Okay, brother. <laughs> well, dude, they sat in rows and columns and shut their mouth back in 1978. Yeah. You know, well, they don't do that. They're shocked. They don't even know what's going on, man. And so it, they have to see it if they're going to be it. We have to show it if we're going to grow it in our teachers. We have to model what that looks like. We and can't even tell advice. them. We yeah, can't like even he, tell them. Don't don't bother explaining to them what it is. You have to go do that.
0: Yeah, and that's something you got me reflecting on. I can do better already. You said something. I think it was on Instagram. I could be wrong. Um, you said that a controversial statement. The principal is not the only one that is in charge of the culture of a school.
1: Dude, if you, if you know what I love? Uh, all right. Let me, let me, let me pull that back a little bit. Well, not I agree much. with your
0: statement. Yeah. I agree with your not statement. Not much,
1: but I'll pull it back a little bit. This is what I'm saying. And for, uh, is the principal the initiator? Absolutely. Are they the fuel for it? For sure. Do they keep that, the party rolling? Yeah, absolutely. But what I am saying is this, I think some, Along the way, we have it, it, and, and I know where it happened. Happened during COVID, because teachers were so out of control. Like, we, I mean, like, we're we have no longer have control of what's going on, because now we're online, and no one's showing up for our classes, and now they're going by the schoolhouse to pick up packets, and they're putting up Wi-Fi towers around us. It was insanity. And then we come back to campus, and we shut down again, and they go back up, and 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 superintendents by daily were getting new instructions of what to do, and they would tell the principals. Hey, sorry, guys. Remember that stuff we told yesterday? This is all brand new. Now, now we have to do this. And they would tell the teachers. And, and then the next day is something different. And so we, I think we became so dependent on the principal, overly dependent, where we've lost agency and autonomy of teachers in the classroom to do their thing. And I think – and then because of principal-principals leadership group and memes and things like that and celebritizing principals – it's like they're waiting for some magical principal wizard with a wizard wand is going to show up, and poof, amazing campus culture. Look, look here we go. But really what it comes down to is, is what's happening in the classrooms. And campus culture can be the sum total of what's happening in classroom culture. And what I desperately want are for teachers to take their school back. Man, I want them to take their hallway back. I want them to take their classroom back. This is these are your kids. This is your family. You know, it, it drives me. It, it drives me so nuts when I hear teachers come in and tell the principal, "Hey, just so you know, the whole algebra team is pissed, and we have horrible culture." Well, go do something about it. What are you telling me for? Dude. You know, it's I, insane.
0: I agree. Like when they they get uh, mad, and I will say, well it's going to be more powerful coming from you than from me. I'm supposed to be the bad guy. Right. But you know what? Like if, if, uh, if AP, like Shauna, you met Sean, and Shauna was like, Hey Robert, like you really messed up. Like that's way more powerful than my supervisor walking in and because it's, you have the relationship
1: piece. Yeah.
0: You know, I don't, I, I, and that's why I agree with you. Like, it's not just the principal that is in charge. Um, many years ago, a friend of mine, actually the guy that was on last week, he loves Duke basketball. And when he used to live in Vegas and we'd hang out, he, he was telling me about a time when Duke lost and the guys on the bus were like laughing. And the leader stood up and he said, We don't lose it, Duke. Knock it off. Yeah. And that took care of it. Like the coach didn't have to say anything. That yeah. dude did. And I think sometimes, but teaching is just a weird profession. They don't, they don't want to be that person.
1: I, I don't know, man.
0: If they are, then they're the mean, the mean lady in the hall. We're going to avoid that person,
1: right? I think, I think it's all about how you, how we put this thing in context. So, what I've been doing lately is I'm crisscrossing the nation, going to education service centers. I'm not sure what you guys call it in Vegas, but some them call it education service agencies. You know, in 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 Louisiana, the parish kind of hosts I and mean, they support schools. And and we, you know, what I'm asking principals when I show up to you is send me your. Send, send, send me the leader. Send me the best. Don't send me the teachers that need this training. Send me the ones who, send me who deserve it. The best of the best. Cause we want, if you invest in the best, they're going to take it back and give it to the rest. And I don't think we have given third chair uh, or, or third grade uh, team leader any skills to be a third grade team leader. We just said, you've been teaching the longest. You're now, 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 <laughs> now, now you're the team leader go make the yeah. copies or whatever. But I want to, because I want teachers to go to them. I want, I want, I want second grade team to think, man, look at third grade team. They're awesome, man. We want to be like them. You know what I mean? I, I love that stuff.
0: But yeah, but they, they just, it's such a struggle to find. I mean, I'm pretty blessed. We've whittled it down now. It's a pretty decent group. It's a struggle to find teachers that aren't competitors in that nature. They're not collaborators. They're more competitors. And it, and so they look at like third grade dominating and they're like, well, oh, look at third grade." Like my wife has won a few awards and they would like when we walked down the hallway because I would get to be there, everybody here paused like looking "Oh, look, she won again." Right. You know like rather than saying, "Holy cow, this is great. How can I be like you?" is, "Oh, look at her." And it's just a I actually used to and when I did interviews, I used to ask people, "What was the last well, who was the last person that won an award at your school? And what did you do when they won? Right. Because you want those people to be a part of the group and like celebrate successes, but then collaborate. Ultimately the only person the teacher has to uh, be in competition with is themselves because if they do better, the school does better. But a team oriented school, I feel is a rare, rare thing these days.
1: It's hard, man, it takes, but it takes effort, you know, and, and uh Again, it has a lot of a lot to do with leadership challenges simply because this is education. And if you think I mean, I mean, OK, just take a high school, for example, if you th- think about what it would take to rise up a corporate ladder and to get to the job of CEO, because it, like as like if you're running a high school, dude, we got daycare now on high school campuses. We've got team sports We're we're getting food and nutrition. We got health care with transportation you know, oh, by the way, teach a kid something like, you know, varsity band boosters. Like it has everything and the budget. Think of it, thousands of kids, hundreds and hundreds of employees. It would take decades of grooming and management training and leadership exposure and, and mentoring to get to that role in school. Dude, if you've been teaching three years, go take you got it. You're next. <laughs> go get after it, man. <laughs> I can't tell you how many schools I've been in where the principal was teaching last year. See, like
0: that—that's that, uh, that doesn't happen in Vegas, so I—I I haven't experienced that. But that's crazy to me. Um, well, not—that's not necessarily true. Um, well, not the principals because we have a, everybody has an AP. The AP could be cl- pulled out of the classroom right now yeah. and hop in there uh, and go through training. But you—you you went uh, earlier. You were talking about COVID, and you said how how there's not really any autonomy in classrooms anymore. And I don't know if that's necessarily from the COVID days when we had all these rules and the rules changed and you couldn't do this. But do you agree with the fact that I think so many school districts want to have programs uh, and have people follow the programs is because they want control of things? Or is there a different thing in your opinion?
1: I think both are true. You know, I think, you know, I think, um, well, first, first tell me, uh, um, uh, uh, just be specific who wants control in what way of what?
0: So I think like in Vegas right now, the school district wants control of the curriculum.
1: Yep. I'll get it.
0: And therefore we have a new, we, I mean, we have so many new programs The teachers are drowning, so they want everybody to follow the same program at the same time. And, and I don't believe in that at all. So it's been a struggle. Because, again, I think they want to control the environments as much as possible rather than, which is what I believe, is let's teach the teachers how to teach using whatever they need to to teach the standards.
1: Yes. Yes. that that So that is true, too. And when – because back in the day, like 20 years ago, dude, I've been at this a long time. There was some, you know, here's the curriculum. Make sure you follow it. And I was really good at, at providing the perception. If I was following it and we're getting things done, (laughs) but like those days are over, man. There's too much data being collected and too many people walking in my classroom and, you know, all that. So, but, so yeah. So, and, and we've taken away the, the art and the beauty of teaching and, and also that like, that isn't what anybody signed up for. Cause you have to remember like the very base, what they signed up for was to change a kid's life. Yeah. I want to be the most important influential adult in the lives of these kids. That's what they signed up for. And when they get to the classroom and now, because it changed, it gets worse every year. So even the kids now that are graduating from high school, they go to college for four or five years, come out, it's going to be dramatically different by the time they get in a classroom. And so many teachers are like, this is not what I signed up for. Like, I cannot make the difference in the lives of my kids that teachers did for me. And there's... And then oftentimes when they go to find their administrator that ask for help because they're drowning, there's not much they can do because they've been mandated. This is what it is.
0: And going back to what you said, um, boys are not the same as girls, but yet a program believes that they are. Right. Yeah. And, and it, just, it just fascinates me that we're going down this road. Rather than teaching people how to engage kids, You know, you can give them all the resources that you want, but if they cannot engage a kid, it's just not going to matter.
1: Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, years ago here in Houston, they have a lot of oil companies, you know, and, and, uh, and one of them wanted to, this is a natural gas company that was here in Houston. They wanted, and you know what they do once they decimate a town with all the drilling and, you know, and trucks and personnel and these places called man camps where they build these little mini things for people to live. And, and they, they wanted to, um, provide services for a school to make, you know, <laughs> like to make nice yeah. And they show me, they show me these curriculum. Well, which you know, they they were we're gonna invest a ton of money in curriculum. They, they asked me. It was one of the consultants come out and look at curriculum, and and between me and you, I don't know anything about curriculum. But I said,
0: uh, you don't need to. You just need to, be able to engage kids and teach them standards, dude. I
1: said, well, who's the teacher? And I go, what? I go, well, that, the, the curriculum doesn't matter. Dude, just show me the teacher. And I'll tell you, you know, that if they got a great teacher, that's great curriculum. If it's got a horrible teacher, that's bad curriculum. You can pick any of this stuff. It doesn't matter, man. You know, if you got great teachers, they're going to figure out a way to make that happen. And like the one of the best examples was years and years ago, I uh, went out to Eastern Kentucky to Betsy Lane High School. And, and you talk about unbelievable teaching. Unbelievable. And, and they, they are sending kids all over the nation to colleges and, and military schools and trade schools. I mean, best of the best. And, and they have no reason to be successful. None. Because if you look at the population, like everything you're looking for, they have unbelievable poverty. No one's married. The All the minds are closed. Everyone's addicted to opioids. Like it's like the list is a mile long if everything is wrong and they crush it year after year after year after year because they have great teachers.
0: Yes, they do. It has. Yes. Good Lord. Why won't people just, why won't people listen to that? I don't understand. I just don't understand.
1: Yeah. And and, and I think when we take that trust away. And, and, you know, when a teacher feels it, dude, it's just like a kid. I can't like, every time I just remind myself, are we like, I have to ask myself, are we talking about kids or teachers here? Cause it's the same thing. When you pull the trust away from the teacher and have it, they don't feel like they're believed in, they don't feel like they're loved. They No one has faith in them, just like a kid. Of course, of course they're not. So, so a a human being is going to underperform. I mean, it's guaranteed.
0: I agree. I agree. I, I we have a teacher at my school. She was just beat down from her previous admin and you could just tell she was just traumatized. And I said, quit, quit worrying about everything. Yeah. Just do the best you can, however you do it. And yeah, you know, I just, it just frustrates me. I think again, it comes back to trust. I trust you to do your job until I can, and then we'll, then we'll work on it. But so many admin just can't let go of control.
1: Yeah. That, that is hard. that, and you know, but they I would think have because way more so,
0: success if they did,
1: right? But but it's hard because I get it though. Like I get, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like that's not my thing. But I get the psychology of it because there's so much on the line. There's so much. That's the other thing. I wish teachers. I was at a principals conference a while back, and I was, you know, it was more of a data conference, and you know, smart stuff. And that ain't what I do, but <laughs> yeah, I was like god, kicking the. Th- I was,
0: why they let you in the door? <laughs> <laughs> I was kicking it off.
1: They wanted me to get the party started, and um, and and I and I hung out the rest of the day, and the whole time I kept thinking, I really wish that we could bring busloads of teachers. There was like a one-way window we could see in, and um, and they could see the stress, and like when they would drop the latest state news. This is well, this is what's coming down for the legislature, and watch these principals like, oh my god. How am I going to tell my teachers? Like, like what? And I think we forget, like, when teachers complain—not complain—that's not good. But when they're concerned, rightfully so, and they're distraught, rightfully so, over I can't believe they expect me to have to. They're expecting me to do this with my kids. I cannot believe it. I wish everybody know that it, it goes upstream from there. There's a principal thinking, I cannot believe I'm about to tell my teachers they have to do this now. And it goes up to there's there's an associate superintendent of curriculum thinking, I cannot believe I have to tell my principals to tell their teachers that there's a superintendent as to, he just I cannot believe how like how in the world am I gonna tell my associate superintendent, tell my assistant mm-hmm. superintendent to tell the principal to tell the and like everybody, it's we're all in this together and everyone is struggling. And that's the crazy part. No one's talking about the dumpster. Everyone's talking about the pieces that are on fire in the dumpster, the whole thing's on fire.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. When you go into schools, what well, well, Brad Johnson says, uh, you know, <clears throat> when he walks in, he can tell, he can tell the culture and the climate of a school when he walks oh, in the door.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, you can feel it.
0: Yeah. So I was gonna say, do you have you found the same thing?
1: Yeah, for sure. It is no different. Only because I've been in a ton of schools, it's just like every teacher. If you've been in a ton of, you can step into a classroom and you know what goes on in there. You know it. You know, and I walk, you know, it's like the first time I went to the, um, I'm not going to name any uh, schools where they have challenges, but you just walk in. Well, first of all, no one even knows you're in there, (laughs) you know, and you you come into the office and no one pays attention, you know, the whole thing. But like, you know, I have been in schools like when I went to Springer's school, Dr. Jeff Springer, when he was at the Magnolia High School. I mean, you walk in and three or four kids walk up. Hey, I'm, you know. I'm Janice, you know, welcome to Magnolia high school. What brings you today? Some kid walking by, um, uh, Hal Bowman came to see spring. Oh, le- let me show you where Dr. Springer is. Dr. Springer, Hal Bowman's here, you know, and they're like, yeah. but everyone is like that.
0: Yeah. So I, and again, I, don't, I think, um, I think it just depends ultimately, you know, the leader and the people in the building set the tone. Um, but I don't know if it's the same thing. You've been in way more schools than I have. You know, my school is now has nine hundred kids. It's the second biggest one in Vegas now. Um, it's hard. It's hard to get that many kids to be what you just said. Like where you know, hey, welcome to welcome to Thompson. Right. It's uh, it's it's a challenge every day. So I, I don't. Again, I don't know what kind of school, but you. I think you were telling me about like a school in in uh, in Texas that has a ton of kids, like K two or something, though.
1: Oh, dude, there's some, listen, you know, we build giant schools, even in little districts. Well,
0: everything's bigger in Texas.
1: Well, you got to field a really good football team. There's only one way to do that is build one big giant school. (laughs) We have more kids, you know, to pick from. And, um, but you know, that, that's the thing, man. It's, um, and, and what is cool about Texas is we have such dramatically different schools because you can have schools in Houston, San Antonio, downtown Dallas, and those are typical. We have inner city schools, and we have crazy, you know, suburb schools. But we also have old fashioned, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, country schools, where they say prayers every day, and they they salute the flag, and they take their cowboy hat off when they walk into the building, and, and when a lady comes in, they all stand up and hold the door. You know it, that that so it, it's awesome, man.
0: That would be awesome. And what's sad is there's probably a ton of people that would be like that's not okay. They shouldn't be doing that. Why are they praying? Yeah, and It's just, it's just an education, just a fat, a fascinating profession all around. There's so many different variables and different things going on, many of which are successful. So there's, there's a ton of ways to the top of the mountain, but the view is the same. Right. But, but yeah, so many people think, no, you have to take the same trail. Yeah. And you know, the trail might take you through like, you know, like, I don't know, there might be some cougars or something waiting there like to attack you. But no, we're going this way. This is the way drives me out of my mind. Do you feel like you, you know, I'm younger than you. I'm just starting out in this stuff, but i uh, sorry to throw you under the bus there. But
1: <laughs> Do you
0: feel like you and the message you are sending, are you a dying breed in this profession?
1: Yeah, I don't, man, I don't think so. Good. Maybe I I'm not. delusional, man. I might be delusional because <laughs> I, I think I think most people would say yes. Because don't forget, most people, you know, I'm talking 100% of the population, not just teachers. Most people are absolute experts when it comes to school because they all went to school. So they think they're an expert, right? They spent twelve, at least 12 or 13 years. So clearly they know what goes on in school. And uh, But what we all see on, on social media is such, it's just like politics, man. It's such a small percent of what's really happening. You know, we, we, we just see the extremes of both sides and in education, we just see the extreme of, you know, what's going on in classrooms and and craziness you see on whatever TikTok, And that's not what's really happening, man. That's just a fraction of a percent. What's really happening everywhere is heroic teachers are walking into the classroom every day, relentlessly loving their kids not giving up and they come in and they teach with passion and they try really hard and yeah they get burned out and they go to choir practice after school at 4 30 and they come back the next day and struggle and but we keep going man and and that and like that's what I really see like mean, that that's what's really happening in most places now our teachers leaving the business for sure they are it's harder than it's ever been with oftentimes less less support than they've ever had but still, what the the vast majority of what I see are just unbelievable human beings doing the very best they can to be the one to make a difference in the lives of their kids.
0: Yeah, one of the things that frustrates me is uh we are eating our own. And what I mean by that is we we tend to post so I don't know, I would I don't know what the ratio is, but the posts on social media tend to be very negative about the profession. Yeah. I I've, I've been picking on this lately. Oh, I got thirty-nine days till winter break. I got 62 days left with these kids or oh, I got yeah. the Sunday scaries. What are you scared of? You've been doing this forever. Like what, what's so scary about Monday? I don't that you got to go to work. I don't, I don't understand right. that. I think we're eating our own. You know, like I try to post positives on Twitter all the time and uh, it's a different mindset. To, it's easy to post negatives. You can post negatives all day long, but to post a positive takes thought. Yeah. And, and uh, I just, I just wish we weren't, decimating the profession with our own with our own opinions of the yeah, negative stuff
1: it is and you know I, I like i'm so far the other way that um you know I, I i wish people really understood what goes on and you know like here's here's what makes me mad like here's my level of negativity is i will see a um and this dry, this really does make me angry is i will see a uh, somebody will post a picture of a kid i remember one was recently a uh, kids on a stage laying down in the cafetorium on elementary school. And it's a, an autistic student who's really struggling with over sensory stuff that day. And there's an AP that lays down next to the kid. And they pull the heavy blanket over them and they're just talking to the kid. And he has, you know, a head on the kid's you know, hand on the head, really want like kinesthetically, this kid now feels safe and secure and can calm down, right? In the chaos of what's going on in the cafeteria. And it gets, and somebody takes a picture and it's beautiful. And it gets like a million views and all this awesome stuff. And that makes me so mad because I'm thinking that happens thousands of times a day at schools across the nation. What do you think we're doing in there? That's teaching, man. That's part of the AP job. That's what they do. Like, I I loved, I love that the kid, the guy gets celebrated and the kids celebrated. And that's like, I great, but I wish people knew that's, yes, it's a special moment that, that, but that's not, a unique moment. It happens yes. all the time.
0: Yeah. Excellent point. I, <clears throat> yeah. I have things like that, at, you know, at school all the time where if the public knew all of the great things that people and educators did daily, it would change the perception of the profession really quickly.
1: Right. Yeah. That's the, um, you know, that's a jury duty theory. Like we should have like visit school just like Jerry, right. you got to go visit a classroom and see what's really going on because it would change things. And also the posting thing, like we we don't do a good job of that either, because when we have it, even school districts don't and schools don't, because when, they, you know, and I counsel schools, consult with schools on this all the time. It's like, listen, I'm glad your your top kid is is going to go to Carnegie Mellon. That's fantastic, but you know who gives a shit about that? The kid's mom. That's it. No one else cares. <laughs> what we want to see is a kid with with, with that was yes. been finger painting, yes. and a, and a teacher's hugging him, and he's got they both have paint on their face, and they're both smiling. That's the picture we want.
0: Yeah. See, I I've been saying nobody listens to me, you know, and that in high school they shouldn't because I don't know anything about high school, but I don't. Yeah, I'll listen to the valedictorian. That's great, but get the kid up there that's worked the jobs and had to help raise his siblings, but still managed to graduate. Let's listen to that kid because that kid is the one that's going to do great in life.
1: Right. Yeah. Dude, one of the best things I've seen was um, in um, one of my favorite educators, Dr. Tony Hull, we were talking about this. She's in Hatch, New Mexico, Hatch Valley, where Hatch Chili Peppers come from. And during the pandemic, there's a girl at the high school on Zoom class, going to Zoom school. And she has her, and she's set up and she's sorting chili peppers. She's in the fields sorting chili peppers and she doesn't want to miss class. Like that Imagine. is what we need to talk about. Like, yeah. what about that kid, man?
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, what about that kid? It's almost like, it's almost like you got another book to write. Like, what about that kid? Yeah. Um, it, it would be a, that's probably a pretty good idea. Don't steal that.
1: <laughs> it's too late. It's already done. Or,
0: or we'll work on it together one way or the other. I, I,
1: um, I, just, I just read, I just registered. What about that kid.com? It's over. Yeah.
0: Damn it. Ah, uh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're 45 in already. Time goes fast with you. If you, like if governor Abbott called you down to the mansion and he said, Hey, what's the one thing we should, or sh- we should do. And one thing we should stop doing right now, what would you say?
1: Oh my gosh. You know, I, I want, um, I, I really want Just like everyone does at every level, not everyone, but most people want it in government. I want more local control. I want schools to do what's appropriate for their kids. Like I can tell you right now, I have a feeling that the kids in your school have very different needs than kids out in in rural Nevada, man. You know, and it's same. Where even in our own district, I live in Houston, the Houston ISD is our school district. I can tell you, man, we have, you couldn't have more different schools all in the same dish with different needs. And when we try to do, you know, that's the other, you know, differentiation. Are you kidding me? We're giving them standardized tests. Why are we differentiating things? Like, should we, you know what I mean? It's crazy. The whole thing, like, that's what I really want is is allow principals to be principals. I want teachers to be allowed to teach. So that way we can allow kids to be kids.
0: I, I agree, man. I agree. I guess why you and I just, I mean, just hit it off and uh, that's why we're here um, hey so ha- tell people again I have you know there's a, f- a few people in Vegas to listen uh, <laughs> and a few a few everywhere else too but if someone wants to get a hold of you for you know for mentoring teenage boys or uh, to have you come out and supercharge their their uh, staff development day how do they get a hold of you and then you know what do you offer what do you you know what do you what do you hope to uh, get out of that
1: yeah, man, let me talk about the professional development first. And so what we do there is, um, you know, it starts with with, with just contact me at, at uh, halbowman.com or on Facebook or any of the social media. It's always at Hal Bowman, H-A-L-B-O-W-M-A-N. And then, um, you know, all the emails come in and I say, let's set up a time to talk. And, and that's where the conversation is, it's just really important because that way I can assess needs and where they are because oftentimes um, some people um, know what they want, which many times is different than what they need. And so then we'll talk about, you know, wants versus needs and what this thing might look like. And then, you know, we it, it might be a professional development day. It might be an after school thing. It might be, I've worked with, you know, sometimes I come in and I work with um, what we call our most influential players in the school where I spend the early morning uh, with, with, with some uh, teachers and leadership positions and administrators. I spend half the day with kids. Then we meet with team leaders. We set up mentoring programs. We come after school and do some things to get with parents. That's a whole thing. And, and it, it and listen, it always comes down to the, to helping people in the most important place, which is in front of the kids, really focus on what they want for their kids. As a result of these kids spending their lives with you, if you're gonna have anything for those kids, what would it be? And why are we there? Like, why this school? Why these kids? Why this profession? Why this grade level? Why this subject level? And then, and then, and and, and then getting to the the most important thing. And you know, like a lot of people think it stops there with the why. And in fact, there was this you know, famous argument I got into with Simon Sinek that people still tease me about I because I thought I was going to argue with that dude. But he has that accent and he sounds so smart and has the glasses and the whole thing. And I felt like an idiot. But I think I could take him now. And for educators, that might be true in business where you know that whole starts with why thing. But for educators, there's a deeper level. And that is who. Like who do we need to be for our kids? Who do I need to be? Because if you didn't sign up to be somebody's mom right now, you probably shouldn't be teaching. If you sign up to be somebody's dad, like who do we need to be as a school family for our kids? And when we get to that level, that's, you know, people want an inspirational, motivational thing, which is cool. But dude, that's going to wear off by Wednesday when the kid gives you the finger and talks about your mom. But if we can access like what we want and who we want and like, who we need to be and why we're here, everybody has that at their core. And we all share the same mission, the same mission, everybody. Man, that's powerful, dude. And that is what lasts not just for days, but for years for a campus family. On the mentoring side with our blacksmith mentors, you know, man, it's it, it really started out with this, you know, focusing on teenage boys. And then, uh, but we also have clients who, you know, they, you know, 30% of young men, 25 years and under are still living at home, doing nothing. They're not going to school. They're not working. They're, they're on their phone, vaping THC doing, they're doing nothing 30%. And so they're still teenagers. I mean, not chronologically, but, you know, emotionally, intellectually, they oftentimes are. So we work with those young men as well. And, um, and again, same thing, you know, parents will call and we set up a time to talk. We assess what's going on with the kid and see if it's a good fit. And, you know, probably more than half the time is not because the kid has more serious, dramatic issues that we just weren't a good fit for. And, um, uh, but often, but when, when it's just a regular, typical kid struggling, trying to figure out how to launch and, um, and just be a, you know, a positive young man that, uh, like that's, that's where we really thrive with those kids.
0: Awesome, man. Hey, so what do you got going on this week? Where are you going this week?
1: Dude, I'm in town all week. We got a ton of uh, uh, mentoring stuff happening for for the, the young man. And then I go back out. I'm going to the University of Southern Indiana. And Dr. Rob Carroll put that together. And he, was, he used to be, he was an amazing principal at the 1199 in uh, Henderson, Kentucky. And now he's a professor at, at USI. And uh, he put together a big teacher thing for new teachers coming into the business so we're gonna go keynote that thing and crush it and have an amazing time
0: awesome man well i'd like to publicly say thank you you've been uh you've been great to uh just to bounce stuff off of the past few months and i appreciate all your advice and everything and uh your perspective is definitely valued by at least one person out in vegas nice i'll take
1: it (laughs) appreciate the
0: time man and uh have a great sunday
1: thank you brother appreciate you